Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Hi, how's it going? My name is Akiba Leesman. I'm the CEO of, uh, of Mako Mining. Uh, the way that I like to describe it is that we're doing three things in northern Nicaragua. Uh, we are now in what is effectively commercial production at a 500 ton per day mine, which is the highest grade open pit mine uh, globally. Uh, we've been processing roughly half ounce material uh, since May 12th when we started to put the high grade through that 500 ton per day uh, plant. The other two objectives of the company is that now that we are in cash flow, uh, the objective is to use that money uh, to go and explore for near mine uh, deposits. Uh, so we're going to be starting a resource delineation program uh, that by the first half of next year will uh, develop a, a resource at our most advanced uh, satellite project called Las Conchitas, such that we can be mining Las Conchitas in San Albino, uh, our current mine, at a thousand tons a day by the very end of next year. And then thirdly, which I think is actually the, the most important part about the company, is that we do think that we're sitting on an orogenic gold mining uh, camp, a district over here. So really late this summer is going to be the first time that we're going to be putting any uh, drill holes uh, in our history uh, outside the main San Albino and Las Conchitas area. We've already had a plethora of, uh, of prospecting results uh, across our 188 square kilometer land package. That's finding very similar veins with very similar multi-ounce uh, grades as far away from the mine as, as 21 kilometers. Fantastic. Akiba, good to see you again. Likewise. Good. Um, after we spoke, you had a little trip down to Nicaragua. What did you see? Sure. Uh, so, so Nicaragua is, uh, is, is doing well. Um, went to the mine. It was actually the, the first trip that I went down uh, to Nicaragua since before the pandemic. Uh, effectively, the, the borders were closed from late March of last year through, uh, through early August. So we were able to get our operating uh, team um, down at site really since, uh, since August of last year. Uh, but that was a, a difficult task. Uh, now it's really the first time that we have more or less normal ability to travel. Uh, obviously, you have to bake in uh, some some added time on, on either side of those trips uh, to be able to, to go down to site uh, more frequently. And I like to put this in context, is that we, we built a mine and have now commercialized a mine in the middle of a global pandemic in a country where effectively 90% of the kit that we needed for that, uh, that processing plants, uh, our, our mining equipment, uh, really was imported. Uh, so this was truly a, a heroic effort by a, a lot of our team. Uh, it just shows that the dedication of our crew to be able to deliver uh, this, uh, this initial project of ours on, under very, very difficult circumstances in 2020. Any teething problems? Sure. So we were mechanically complete uh, with the plant uh, at the end of March. And then, and even going back before, I'll, I'll, I like to have accountability to what our, our actual uh, timeframes are. So I, I took over as, uh, as full-time CEO of this company in August of 2019. And then right after that, we kind of laid our, our guidance for where we thought this mine should be. The, the three-stage plan of building this 500 ton per day mine, expanding it to 1,000 by the end of 22, and then proving that this is a, an origin of gold mining camp uh, hasn't changed at all over the last couple of years. The timeframe to do that uh, has. So when I took over in, in August of 2019, uh, I told the market that by Q4 of uh, 2020, uh, we were going to be delivering uh, the initial gold uh, coming from our uh, our 500 ton per day mine. 2020 happened. We had a global pandemic. We got hit by two major hurricanes right in the middle of, of uh, construction. We pushed back our uh, our first gold pour date 
uh, while that uh, while that happened in uh, in June of 2020, we, we pushed our first gold board date to January of 2021. Uh, and then to be in commercial production in Q2 of uh, of this year, calendar year 2021. We actually did pour gold uh, in January. It happened to have been at 10.30 p.m. on January 31st that we poured gold uh, in January. And for all intents and purposes, we started to uh, produce at levels that we thought, that we, we uh, uh, view as commercial starting on May 12th of this year. So in Q2, even though we will officially declare commercial production uh, on uh, July 1st uh, for our accounting quarter for, for Q3. So in aggregate since 2019, there was probably about a four month uh, delay to, uh, to the project. And frankly, for what happened in 2020, that was a, a win. Now, specific uh, teething issues with, with the plant. The plant was, there was no issues from, from an engineering and construction perspective, uh, but we actually got hit by, by Two things that, uh, that that we weren't accounting for. So, so firstly, um, we, because of our uh, our, our view of uh, of managing this uh, this deposit and this mine with the the most amount of, of environmental uh, sensitivity, right? We use a dry stack tailing storage facility. We have a tailings press. In order to dry those tails, we put them through a filter press to get rid of most of the moisture before we, we stack them. Those filter cloths themselves under normal operation should last uh, maybe uh, a few weeks before you have to, uh, to change them. The way that the startup of the operation was going is that we were wearing them down in six or seven days. So effectively we ran out of those filter cloths and then normally when you have logistics that are, are fairly well stabilized uh, from, uh, from an international uh, trade perspective, those should be able to get into country in a, a two or three day period. There was actually about a five or six week lag before we got our bulk shipment over at site. So that effectively shut off the filter press for a period of about five weeks because we had these, these relatively inexpensive uh, cloths unavailable for that period of time. And likewise, we had a second component in the refinery. We have an intense uh, cyanization reactor called the Concept Acacia. Uh, for whatever reason, that Concept Acacia was not allowing us to get uh, our cyanide concentrations to levels that would be effective. So we put our gravity concentrates through this thing. You need to get it up to about 20,000 uh, ppm cyanide uh, before it uh, can actually process all the gold. We were maxing out at about five or 6,000 PPM. We had to take a lot of that, uh, that process control software uh, out, uh, take out some of the plumbing and mix the cyanide ourselves uh, for, for that to work. So there was about a period of about five weeks where even though the plant was mechanically complete, we had no ability to, to, to sell gold. All of that changed uh, the first week of May, actually about, about a week after we last, uh, last spoke. And then when we were happy with how the plant uh, was, was operating, we started to put the high grade, the, the, the high grade material that we were stockpiling uh, on site uh, through the system on May 12th. That material was averaging about a, a half ounce uh, material, 15, 15 gram material. We're blending it a, a tiny bit with some of the, the run of mine uh, ore. So it's gonna be a little bit less than 15 grams uh, from May 12th uh, that we've been processing uh, to date. But effectively on May 12th, uh, we considered our, this operation in, in more or less uh, commercial capacity with the official declaration of commercial production happening, uh, I guess it's tomorrow. Okay, which is great. I, I, I think you described fairly normal run of mill uh, situation. Um, 
Can we talk about the feedstock? Okay, you've got some high grade, you've got some lower grade, just the nature of the of, of where you are in the organic body. So how, how are you blending that? Are you high grading first, getting all that out of the way, getting some cash in, or how are you, how are you playing it? Right, so the super components, there's, there's the mine uh, and the, the stockpile. So in the, in the stockpile, at one point we had about uh, a little over 15,000, 16,000 tons of this very high grade uh, material sitting on, uh, on site, uh, let's say grading uh, roughly 15 grams uh, material. And so there was about 8,000 ounces of, of high grade stockpile. Where was that now, from? Remind me. And that was from the, the mine that we've been sporadically mining really since uh, February of last year. So this, this has been going on. I would say we've been mining in uh, to a level that we would consider commercial capacity really since about February of, of this year. So in, in fits and starts in 2020, and then really continuously at, uh, at roughly 500 tons per day uh, since the beginning of this calendar year. Now, in addition to those, let's call it 16, 17,000 tons of high grade material, there's over 100,000 tons of historical dump material. So this, the last time this was a, a commercial operation uh, was in the 1920s, but there's been uh, mining in this area going back since the time of the, the Spanish from the, the, the late 18th century. So there's, there's, there's a lot of this material that's historical dump. It's not associated with the, the, the vein of the, of the deposit, but on average through our, the, the life of mine, taking some pretty conservative estimates on, on where this is gonna be coming out, uh, will be roughly three grams a ton. To date, it's been about two and a half since we, have, uh, since we started to mine that last year. Uh, and there's over 100,000 tons of, of that material. So another, uh, let's call it eight or 9,000 ounces of this uh, historical dump material. Um, we have we have not been blending that to any great extent. There's been a little bit that we've been putting through uh, the mill, but we took an objective because of that five week uh, delay to to really just process the the high grade. There was a lot of uh, of activities that we needed to do on our our exploration program, and, and even even from a debt repayment perspective, that we really did do need didn't need to catch up on that uh, that five to six week. Uh, delay to the uh, to the startup of the operations. So we've been exclusively processing that material, uh, or almost exclusively processing that material since May 12th. Now we're going to be getting into the the best part of the mine. So what we've been mining for the last year was not the best part of the mine. We're going to be starting the best part of the mine, uh, this area called the Porcelana Zone, really uh, next week. Certainly within the next two weeks, we're actually starting to get some sniffs of it uh, right now. And then when we're in the porcelana zone, which is effectively similar grades to what we've been mining before, the difference between porcelana and what we've been doing over the last year is instead of mining this ratty vein that's probably on average about 70 centimeters, the average width of the porcelana zone is over two meters. This is about triple the thickness of what we've been mining to date. So there's going to be a, an extensive period of time uh, where we're actually gonna be processing well in excess of or mining well in excess of 500 tons per day uh, of this high grade material. It's at that point in time that we're actually gonna start blending that with some of the historical dump material. So the, the head grades of this deposit are not gonna be a half ounce material or near a half ounce material uh, for, the, for the rest of the mine life. This is gonna be more, uh, more along the lines of the, the measured and indicated grade that we delineated last year, about nine and a half grams uh, when all is said and done, uh, but it will be, uh, the highest grade open pit mine uh, in the world, bar none. Okay, so explain explain the um, blending component because if you're digging at high grade stuff, you've got a 500 ton per day mill. Why yep. not just continue to process the high grade stuff? Why blend? Why lower the, the grade? There's is a few reasons. Um, 
one I think is, is turned into a little bit of a, of a, a red headed herring, but uh, the, the primary reason is that we were a little bit uncomfortable kind of having uh, volatile uh, head grades, not, not, to the, uh, not to the mill, but to the, uh, the, the CIL circuit, so the carbon leach. We have, we have two components of our, of our, our processing plant. Uh, one is a, a gravity circuit, which, which pulls out the, uh, the, the high grade uh, there, uh, and then we process that into the, to the refinery through our intense cyanide reactor. And then the other stream coming from that, uh, that gravity circuit then goes into our, our carbon and leach. Now we have, we have five tanks uh, that are there in our, our carbon and leach uh, processing plant, and you better capture the rest of the gold uh, in those five tanks, because if not, it's going to the tailings, you'll lose that gold uh, forever. So there was or some concern that if, because we had five tanks, is that if you had, let's say, carbon and leach head grades going from three grams or four grams, which is probably uh, on, on average to, because we, we get about 50, 60% recoveries in, in gravity, uh, and then you spike it to seven or eight because you're kind of overwhelming the system, are you going to lose some gold? We, we, actually, uh, <laughs> we actually tested that. It wasn't really intentional, but uh, we... There was a period of time because uh, we needed to enhance some of the, the pumps to the gravity circuit, where we actually uh, did not have access to the to the Nelson concentrators, and then we were feeding directly into the CIL with some of our our, our high grade materials. So there were a few days, just a few, where the the carbon and leach head grade uh, was was over. Uh, over 10 grams a ton. And actually, it worked great. We, we, we recovered the gold in the first three tanks. Uh, recovery, uh, um, recovery times are, are clearly uh, faster than what we were, we were modeling before. So uh, that was a concern going in and, and kind of why we wanted to blend this and keep, keep the grades uh, somewhat consistent coming into the, the mill. I actually think we're, we're okay if we have a little bit of volatility from a, from a head grade perspective. The other Operational uh, um, impact, which what I do think is important, and, and this does uh, this this does have some validity to it, is that the historical dump material it, it's been mined as, as early as 70 years ago, but some of this material has been sitting outside for for hundreds of years at this point. It's saprolytic, so that material is saprolytic. It gets wet, goes into your mill. It's going to turn into pudding, right? So this is the stuff that kind of gums up uh, your material if you're only going to be processing. That uh, that material, uh, we go through a rainy season in Nicaragua. Last year was it was kind of a crazy rainy season, but the normal rainy season is usually from uh, May to, to November. If that if that uh, historical dump material gets wet and you try to put that through your mill, it's going to be very very difficult to get 500 tons per day of that material. So in order to to optimize the the full mine. You want to be blending some of this this native quartz material, which goes through the mill like like butter, and then you want to you want to blend it with some of the, uh, the the saprolytic stuff, so you can actually get a nice uh, steady feed. The third, which is really, for, for lack of a better word, it, it's it's optical, right? Uh, we're, we're we're a public company, <laughs> like the I don't think it's it, it's great for for a company to be 15 grams, nine grams, 10 grams, three grams, 15 grams. It's not not the best economic answer for for your question, but there is some level of, of validity to to kind of making sure that you have some stability in head grades uh, as a public company as well. I, I, I buy that. We've, we've seen that a lot. You've actually answered the question. Someone did send a question about pump upgrades, so you've answered that one. Uh, I definitely would not have asked that. Um, I wouldn't have known to. Um, th so the question from the same person, though, is as we're talking about the uh, tons per day over the last couple of weeks, what are you, what are you seeing? 
Right. So we had a, a series of pump upgrades that we needed to, to, to make really across the, uh, the, the, the system. Uh, it started, started with the, uh, the, the Nelson concentrator where, where we had to like jump the circuit and put the, the high grade through directly onto the CIL. And then eventually it went through the, um, uh, the filter press and then, then even some of the, the carbon advancements. So we've been, when we have been turned on, uh, we're averaging maybe about 440, 450 tons a day, but we've only had about, I would say, I guess this is the last day of the month. We've only had about 25 days of availability for our plant. So depending on how you count, we're either at, at 400 or, or 450. So for 450 when everything is, is kind of working okay or 400 including of the, the five days downtime. Uh, we've had about six or I think six days where we've, we've put in in excess of 500 uh, tons of uh, dry tons of material uh, through the plant. Um, and it's clear that we're not, uh, we're not fully optimized. I'm, I'm actually pretty confident that when everything is kind of running on, uh, on rails uh, that we'll have the capacity uh, at 100% availability to be close to 600 uh, dry tons uh, a day. It's going to take us a, a few months to get there. I think having 500 tons per day as an average is, is the right thing to do. Uh, we'll, we'll get there uh, soon. Um, to, to me, commercial production declaration is about 75% of rated capacity, about 375 uh, a day. We're, we're well in excess of, of that uh, right now. In terms of, of, of problems and, and rankings of problems over the course of the last six months. Uh, this, this is a, uh, a, a big one at the end of the day, but I, I view this as a, as a three or four uh, level uh, problem that we'll, we'll go through over the course of the next uh, two or three months, as opposed to not being able to produce gold, like, like that was the case in, in April and, and early May. That was a level 10 problem for the company, and luckily that was resolved. Yeah, okay. So what, I, what I've liked is the, is, is the development, development of the company and its attitude to how, how it goes about doing things, how it views things, because the optics are important um, and how you've managed them in the past few months has been really, I think, good for me looking in. Um, with regards to how you optimize your cash allocation too. You've got to think about that. I'm, I'm intrigued by that because, you know, getting, getting rid of debt, great. Um, you've got some exploration, which I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about in a second. You, you've got to kind of map out how you do that one. You raised a ton of money last year, you know, the right, just the right time. Um, so you, you're good for cash, but how do you get this plant up to a thousand tons per day? What's the time frame? Can you accelerate it? Sure. So, um, the, the the capital that was raised for the company there was about forty million in, in equity in two tranches. One was done in a rights offering in two thousand nineteen, available to all, the, all shareholders, and then there was a roughly U.S. twenty million dollar uh, capital raise that was done in, in June of last year, which was the, the last equity that we needed to do to, to facilitate our, uh, our our three stage plan. Uh, the controlling shareholder, Wexford Capital, took roughly their prorated interest on on that capital raise uh, as well. In addition, there's $21.5 million of, of principal uh, debt on the, on the balance sheet, a little over 15 to the controlling shareholder, uh, Wexford, and then a little over six uh, to, to a true third party uh, called Nabari. Um, I, I will say uh, Wexford, myself, Nabari, and, and I, without speaking for, for everybody, I would say our shareholders are all committed to, to kind of moving forward on this, this three-stage plan to, to get the first step, the 500 ton per day, highest grade open pit mine in the world up and running. We're, we've been effectively a commercial production since, since May 12th. The ability to use that kind of as a stepping stone uh, to go and, and facilitate project two, which was to get this at, at 1,000 tons a day, and then to do the regional uh, exploration drilling uh, as well to, to prove that this is an orogenic 
uh, gold mining camp. Now, in order to get to 1,000 tons a day, practically speaking, there are going to be a, a individual days that we're going to be mining in excess of 1,000 tons a day of, uh, of, of quote-unquote ore. But for us to be sustainably at 1,000 tons a day, we need to be mining simultaneously a separate deposit. Uh, it's just you're just not going to be able to get more than a thousand tons a day out of San Albino uh, with the number of faces that we'll have access to uh, over at our at our, our current mine. So the most advanced of those those properties is Las Conchitas uh, down to the south. Uh, we have enough information there uh, that we we can do an internal three dimensional model. Uh, that's roughly the same size as what we have over at San Albino. If we wanted to, we can put out an inferred resource uh, in, in a matter of, of weeks. However, we are going to be infilling that ag aggressively. Uh, that, that program, frankly, should have started about five or six uh, weeks ago, maybe even slightly longer. We're going to be starting to aggressively infill that such that by the, the first half of next year, we'll have a maiden resource, uh, a mineable resource in, in a very similar vein to what we've put out over at San Albino, such that we can actually be mining it at 1,000 tons a day uh, by the end of next year. Now, in order to enhance our plant uh, and the capacity to get to uh, 1,000 tons a day, there are minor uh, component adjustments that need to be made. We, we've laid the civil works to expand our, our CIL uh, operation for, for another series of five tanks. It's going to require minor fabrication. We'll probably have to have another, another few generators over at site. Our crusher can easily handle 1,500 tons a day. Uh, our, we have two parallel mills. Each one can handle 600 tons a day uh, if, uh, if necessary. Uh, we'll likely have to build another, uh, another tailings press to handle this at, a, at 1,000 tons a day. But all of this uh, can, can happen internally funded uh, with the cash flow generated from the mine uh, to be able to deliver the, the plants uh, with the capacity to, to, to run at 1,000 tons a day, predicated on us having mine feed uh, but uh, we'll be able to deliver that uh, that plant by the the end of next year, such that we can start processing this uh, on our schedule as well. Right. So you you put out a, a resource on Los Conchitas. Uh, when did you say? Sorry, I didn't quite catch that. Yeah, sometime in the first half of next year, we first, should be able. To first do half. That. Okay, fine. And because you're already a producer, can you take shortcuts with that? Were you going to go through a process? Well, it, right. It, it depends. It depends how how you define shortcuts, right? So we, we clearly, even even with the first go around over at San Albino, there were there were shortcuts taken in the extent that we did not need to have bank finance to go and build our, our project. But I, I, I think there there was a lot a lot of of confusion on the the uh, the resource that we put out. Uh, even uh, from last year over at San Albino, which I do think is a is a template for what we're going to be doing uh, everywhere. I, I, will, I, will, I will stand up to this. The resource that we put out was of impeccable quality uh, in terms of the amount of data that went into it, the ability to have a predictable um, resource model to develop a, a real mine plan around such that our engineers could design like a real mining scenario. So Yes, we did not. We didn't have a feasibility study. We didn't have a pre-feasibility study. We pulled the preliminary economic assessment that our predecessors uh, put out in 2015 because it was predicated on a resource model that we didn't endorse. So there were no, in in our minds, shortcuts taken to getting the geology right. That being said, there was an accelerated plan where we don't have to go through the the standard uh, modus operandi in order to access certain types of capital, which is perfectly fine for 
for for for companies. I, I don't. I, in fact, like for for us, at some point, we're going to have to have reserves at this uh, at, at our uh, at, at our operations, just from a, from a public market disclosure perspective. Um, but in order for us to get this up and running, we did not take any shortcuts with understanding the geology. We did not take any shortcuts with engineering our plant. We did not take any shortcuts with engineering our mine. But certainly, this was taken in an unconventional approach in terms of getting this uh, out there from a uh, a check the box forty three one on one perspective. Now, I do think that because I used to come from the 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 investor side in this business, and we happen to be in an industry uh, that requires, I, I think, a, a fair, fairly healthy amount of technical knowledge for people to make investment decisions. That's just the nature of the beast when it comes to uh, to, to geology and, and, and all the risks that go into, uh, into mining. That being said, I do think that the quality of the, the resources that are, that are out there in the industry uh, for uh, for our peer group and, and frankly even for for larger companies in terms of the engineering the data that goes in the understanding of the geology is such that I had never found value to relying on a lot of that data there's actually very little in the public sphere that I would use to underwrite uh, my investments now we've taken that approach in as a, as a public company is that we need to get the data that makes us comfortable we need to deliver on the plans that we set out. We have our own levels of credibility that we need to maintain and then eventually deliver on our execution. And that is gonna follow through on our other two main objectives now that we've finished number one. So number one, we've, we've delivered on under, under very, uh, very difficult circumstances in 2020. Number two is gonna be doing the same thing, getting Las Conchitas into a similar form as what we have over at San Albino to be able to start mining that uh, sometime next year, uh, and then to be processing it at a thousand tons a day by the, the very, very end of, uh, of next year as well. And then to use all of that data, all of that knowledge, all of that engineering, all of that design in our processing plant to apply that to, to other prospective areas of our property, which we can clearly see are eventually are going to be mines as well. It, it's interesting you say that. So this is a bit of a segue, not necessarily about makeup specifically. I was talking to a CEO who's looking at doing some acquisitions, and he looked at 35 different sets of definitive feasibility studies in the hope of acquiring something. He said 30 out of those 35 were misleading, that, which is insane, I, right? I, I, I buy that percentage. There, there are, by the way, there, there are some people who do really great work, like, and, and they, they, they should be commended uh, for, for doing that. Um, but I do think in, investors need to ask, ask themselves, why exactly do you want that information? Do you want this information because you need to have a third party to be there as kind of like the 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 rabbi blessing the the the, the data because frankly you don't you don't trust management right i would say that by the way is not an irrational <laughs> a uh, thought process in an investment underwriting uh skill set either is to have kind of like reputable people as uh, as a check the only thing that i would say for investors in mako is that we we have a, a controlling shareholder i used to work for 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 wexford we have uh, our particular way of, of doing things. If you do not trust management, do not invest in, in Mako, like full, full, full stop. 
Um, so I do think that we are in a little bit of a, of a different circumstance is that we can filter out a lot of the noise that are out there in the, uh, in, in the public markets. Uh, we, we raised capital um, when, when the markets were, were open. We have, we have no issues of broadening out our, our shareholder base in order to deliver on our execution plan. But at the end of the day, one of the advantages, there are some disadvantages, but one of the advantages of having a controlling shareholder with access to capital is that you can filter out the noise and then just make decisions that, that makes sense, right? So it's not like we're it's not like we're, we're rolling the dice and, and taking shortcuts on on building this mine. We're, we're actually going through a very detailed process. Likewise, we have absolutely no issues of when we get everything that we need to do to to to, to show people what this this mine is about, and that involves not only San Albino but kind of bringing Las Canchitas and even potentially some other satellite areas into the fold. We have no issues of of, of delivering reserve statements and, and actually having economics around those things. It takes time, uh, and for us is that um, it's not like we needed to have these uh, these feasibility reports to, to access uh, bank capital. That wasn't our, our our strategy. It wasn't our objective. That is a very very different statement to saying that we were taking shortcuts on on to delivering these things because it was the, the furthest, furthest thing from the, the, the truth and uh, we, we use mind development associates who I, I really do think are, are some of the, the the best people out there to, to get that resource done and I think they would they would acknowledge the same thing and going through this model is that our people developed the bones of that geological model that went into that that resource and MDA basically said to us this is the frankly, the first time that I've ever seen a junior mining company deliver us a geological model that we hadn't had to redo from scratch. Right. I mean, the reason I asked that question about you know, taking shortcuts here with Los Conchitas is because there was some misconception first time around. Okay. So, you know, for, for that reason, you've got to get this right in terms of how you approach it. Second reason is this is still relatively at the moment, because we haven't talked about exploration yet, small scale. So if you do intend to grow, you you are going to have to go back out to the couple markets at some point, presumably. I know you're cash positive cash flowing at the moment, or uh, well, I hope you are. Um, is is you know you you got to you got to earn their trust. So you're going to again you, to get that scale to be able to achieve that scale, not to be a small time. I don't know, chucking off a few million quid a day type uh, business. It's like a weak business. It's you need you need to you need to approach it the right way. So, um, and I do appreciate what you say is like you know internally. And I speak to loads of geos, and they say they they know very very quickly how to approach projects, but they've got to lay the plan out in front of you with studies and scoping studies and feasibility studies, etc. So, I know you're you're being very careful with the way you come at it. But um, do you, so when I ask this, the question about shortcuts, not about it's not a negative thing. It's a question of can you see any way of you know shortening that process in the right way to get get that mill thing going as you've explained there's a lot of moving parts but yeah. so it's actually a lot of a lot of components to that question right so so let's start with the 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 public market facing a bit of this even if we were fully successful at all three of our objectives over at Mako, getting this up to a thousand tons a day, you kind of have to arm wave around what what the the overall grade of the, of the deposits would be at that, that point in time. But but assuming let's say roughly the uh, similar grades to uh, to our, our our life of mine average over at, at San Albino, that means you're you're, you're probably at eighty thousand ounces a, a year of production, maybe maybe a little bit 
uh, more than that, um, still too small uh, to be a, an ideally structured uh, public company. So Mako has always been about having a, a series of steps to get to, to some level of uh, materiality. Um, but then after that internal stuff was, was taken care of, there's always the, the the real end game, which is to to be involved in in M and A in, in some some form or another, and that can go in, in, in all three directions: us buying something, us merging with uh, within another company, ideally without diluting asset quality, uh, or us getting to enough size and scale that we would be of interest to somebody that has the capacity to pay. And then there's a, there's quite a, a bit of time for, for 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 that to happen. So that, that that's firstly. Secondly, with respect to needs for capital and kind of how we face the public markets in, in that regard is that uh, after the, the equity raises happen and the, the Navari uh, facility coming in in, uh, in February of, uh, of this year, that was uh, sufficient capital even with the, the delays that we, we've had. So uh, it, I, I've had this conversation with, with people that, that, that should know the math uh, on this, but it, it's almost like there's a, there, there's a disbelief in, in terms of of what we're doing, so I, I try to try to break it down on on a, on a simple basis because we've been mining for a year. It's not like it's not like spreadsheet uh, math anymore. On average, we're pulling out maybe about three hundred thousand tons of of material a month, uh, thereabouts. Sometimes it gets as high as three twenty, sometimes as as low as as two eighty, thereabouts. Our mining contractor, on an all in basis, attributable uh, overhead associated with it, is running about two dollars and sixty cents a ton. The marginal cost to mine that material is actually below two at this point, but 260 is a number that investors should keep in mind. Assuming 300,000 tons a month, that's roughly about $800,000 a month. It does not matter what the strip ratio is, it's $800,000 a month out the door to move our 300,000 tons. Some of it's ore, some of it's waste. Life of mine to date has been about 19 to one. Since January, it's been about 14 to one. Just put this in context, but $800,000 to, to mine. Now, when we were doing our internal workup on getting our plant build out, <laughs> which, which was numbers, frankly, that I never believed, but uh, because when we actually had this internal workup, we were coming up with numbers like, like $65 to $75 a ton of processing costs, which just never made sense to me. And now that we actually have a-, a which, which way? Too, too much? Too cheap? What? Didn't make sense to you how? Oh, way, way, way too high. <laughs> just, just, just too high. Okay. Uh, and- I think it's fair to say that we're not in the most efficient of operations right now. They're stopping and starting really since uh, since early May. But even with that, we're coming in at less than 50 bucks a ton. So who knows where this is going to be in the long run. We're running certainly under how we were modeling it. But for investors to use $50 a ton, if we were running this at 500 tons a day on average for the full calendar month, that's another $750,000 a month. So now you're like one5 Five million. We're actually a little bit less than that because because uh, with our, our downtime, we've only we only processed for for 25 days this month, and and actually at, at 440 tons a day, uh, averaging on those 25 days. Now, so now you're at about 1.55 million, and then you got the the actual overhead. So the overhead uh, it's probably going to eventually it's going to creep up to about 300 thousand dollars a month uh, over there. So you're looking at about 1.85 million, 1.8 million dollars uh, a month. That's our nut. We've been producing over a thousand ounces uh, a week since this since this mine started on so this is this is an entirely profitable operation uh, since uh, since we got this up and running 
and was some inventory buildup during that time, which which now we're, we're I think we're at that steady state with that. But going forward, at these types of head grades, well in excess of ninety percent recoveries, uh, going into the uh, to the mill, this is a very profitable operation. There is no needs for capital in order to achieve our three stage objective. That being said, we are a public company. I'm I'm very uh, transparent in terms of what we're going on, uh, both because I, I like to, to keep shareholders informed, but also because we, we, I and we recognized our deficiencies by not having a feasibility study that one of the reasons why we are so transparent is to kind of counteract that, is that if you actually have questions about what we're doing, great, ask them. Like We really will put out whatever information that you have. It's going to be a trade-off. There's, there's a disclosure trade-off, which I, which I fully respect by having a third party to, to put this information out. On the other side, uh, I've taken the approach of just just being open. So we have all our drills with with collars on our website. We put out like constant updates in terms of of what we're doing, even even on a, on a daily or or every other day basis on our our, our social media, uh, just to keep uh, shareholders in, informed of what we're doing. So we take our our interactions with shareholders very seriously uh, to keep everybody informed and, and understanding what we're doing, and then. Really, it's our objective now that we finished that first objective is to use that cash flow, and, and we have support from our shareholders, the controlling shareholder, uh, and then Nabari Capital, uh, the lender, the third-party lender on the outside, to achieve those objectives by making sure that there's enough capital that's there to go and fund the development of stage two and and three. And luckily, we have we have support across the uh, the, the spectrum uh, in that regard. But there's still a lot of work that that needs. To happen, uh, I told everybody this in 2019. This was a, a five-year plan to, to execute on these these three stages. We're now uh, almost year year two into that. We delivered on the the first one, and now now the focus is going to be shifting not only on getting our our operations as efficient as possible, uh, but also to focus on on the growth objectives, which is number two and three. And now that we have a chance to actually take a little bit of a breath and a step back, we can then start really in, in the long run taking a look at what the real exit strategy of this is, and that's to be part of, of, of a larger mining company, because being in, in 80, whatever 80,000 ounce a year producer is in, in a single country in, in, in that regard is not going to be the ideal structure of Mako going forward. I don't think we had any capacity to, to look at, at M&A before May 12th of this year. Now, now we're starting to, to see uh, some things that are starting to make sense. No drilling by the sounds of it, because you said you should have started four or five weeks ago. So what was the delay there? And two-part question, uh, how much are you allocating, how many dollars are you allocating to a drill program? What, what's that going to give us? Yeah, the board approved uh, an $8.5 million uh, program uh, in February, uh, predicated on, on us having the, the capital to do it. So the, the, the delays were, were, were clear. It's like we, we had the, those two issues at the plant, which were <laughs> I had more gray hairs now than, than I did before. Uh, truly un- unbelievable what, what, what happened. But uh, when we ran out of filter cloths, couldn't get the cyanide up at the, at the, the acacia reactor, there was a period of five weeks where this company did not have the ability to sell gold. That's the five weeks. But you had the ability right to drill. You had money, right? No, we, we like you can you can take a look at our presentation. It's it's different today than what it what it is on on our website. It, it's higher now, but we we were actually at uh, at about a million bucks uh, on the balance sheet. So we were in in in, in no position uh, to be spending aggressive money. We never actually slowed down on our our drill program from last year. We always had two rigs. I mean, this was essential that that was going to be uh, moving forward. And, and I guess the way that we allocated uh, drilling budgets, and, and one of the reasons why the, the pace of, uh, of drilling information is is slowed down, is that the 
the big dollars, if you will, are, are those dollars that are going to be getting us into a resource delineation um, scenario. So kind of the, uh, the infill work uh, over at San Albino, 51% uh, of, uh, of our composite data is coming from composites less than 15 meters away. So, so this has been, for all intents and purposes, drilled to within 15 meters of, of spacing. I think you're going to have to have a, a similar capacity over at Las Conchitas with those additional rigs. That rig that's been on site has not been doing infill work. That rig that's been going on site is to try to get the, uh, the, the, the confines of, of where these particular uh, targets are, are going to, the margins of the targets are. So this is, this is let's call it, medium risk step outs in terms of what we're doing right now. And sometimes you hit, and then sometimes the, with the, the geology and the, the, the geometry on some of these veins, uh, there are some, some confusing results that come out that, that eventually just need to be infilled so we can answer those questions. Right, so you've got, you've got two rigs at the moment. Are we getting more rigs as part of the 8.5? Yeah, yeah, so they're, they're on order uh, right now, and then hopefully by the end of July, they'll, they'll be on, on site. Those probably should have been there, I would say, uh, maybe maybe two weeks ago, uh, if, if, if we were putting in the high grade on April 1st uh, instead of May 12th, uh, they would probably have been on site in the early part of June as opposed to the end of July. Got it. Okay. So you're, you're balancing the books. You're, you're keeping, keeping okay. things, uh, keeping plates spinning. Okay. So how many rigs will you eventually have for the rest of this year? So five from a, from a core uh, drilling uh, perspective. And then diamond. Uh, we've, and uh, yeah, from a, from a, from a diamond drilling. And then we have, we'll have a, a we, we actually have been using our uh, production rig when it's, um, when it's not uh, for operations to do a very shallow um, target drilling on some of the, uh, the exploration targets, uh, principally focused on some of the, the direct satellites to, to San Albino. It's been a really effective uh, tool. We'll probably have a second um, production drill ready for, for Las Cruces. And I, I mean, that, that's the other thing that, that should, that people should kind of keep in mind. The targets that we're targeting over here are for resources that, that eventually are going to be 10, 20, 30 meters from, from surface, like over at San Albino. Like eventually you can probably get a, a pit that that's maybe a uh, hundred meters uh, deep or so. But these are, these are very, very shallow targets. And for a production drill that uh, with, with a skilled operator, you can probably get down to about 16, 17 meters. It's a good quick and dirty way for you to, to have a nice targeting program that can be followed up by uh, diamond drilling. So the, the production drills are, are not for, for public consumption. It's really there for, uh, for, for targeting. Now the, the eight and a half million dollar program that was financed, or I should say that was uh, approved in, in February, that would have equated to about uh, 50,000 meters of drilling for the full calendar year in uh, 2021. We have done at San Albino and Las Conchitas to date, uh, probably around 16,000 meters. So, but at that pace will, will pick up. I actually don't think we're going to be materially off by the end of end of the year. Just uh, We just need to catch up a little bit from that five-week delay. Okay, but you will be playing catch-up. And how are you coming at the orogenic? Because we, we talked about, you know, previously orogenic up in Canada and they, they come out at a certain way. What, what are your thoughts on that? Have you got anyone who's dealt with orogenic uh, ore before? Sure. Uh, I would say the, the, the majority of gold around the world comes from these, uh, these mesothermal systems. I think what's unique about our 
our project, well, first of all, the, the, the geology is unique relative to, to this region. Um, this part of Central America, Nicaragua, uh, generally are volcanic coasted epithermal deposits. Not surprising, there, there's, a, there's a picture of a volcano on Nicaragua's flag, so uh, that's, that, that's not surprising at all. This is a sedimentary hosted orogenic uh, system. Um, I would say the, the host rock is, uh, is, is a schist. It almost looks like a, like a shale. Uh, if, you, if you will. So very, very brittle rock. Um, and then you have complicated geometries on some of these veins uh, where you have pinches and swells and, and various boudins that, uh, that develop just because of the, uh, the, the, the rock uh, quality. It's a very, very young system, uh, probably about 80 million uh, years old. And then in terms of how we're going about it, we actually did quite a, a bit of work from a prospecting perspective on the rest of the 188 square kilometers of ground that we have. Uh, we picked up another concession in February of last year called uh, Las Goviana. Uh, we started at the tippy top of that concession, which is 21 kilometers away. And, and literally on the border of that concession with uh, government owned ground to the, to the north, we found 40 gram material in situ in, in vain. We put that out uh, press release. We've scoped out some a modicum of, of continuity on those veins of about six kilometers but even some of the the results that we've seen now it, it does look like those vein structures are coming straight back down to the mine so there there are these uh this potential to find really a series of these deposits we have well well in excess of 200 targets on our, our ground that have now been prospected uh, with grades that are grading in excess of, uh, of 10 grams that have never seen a drill hole before uh, and then we need to systematically uh, go after that. So starting this summer, we're going to be putting the, the first uh, drill program on that. Uh, at some point uh, after rainy season, when it's a, it's a little bit easier to do, uh, we'll have to cover the, the entirety of our land package with, uh, with a, a geochemical survey, a soil, uh, soil survey. Uh, that has been a, a decent guide for how we're going to be going it. So there's a, a lot of things that need to happen, but this is going to be exploration for, for years to come. Self-funded. Um, last point, Nicaraguan uh, government, any news? Are you, how are you interacting with them? We've seen it's so this whole, the, the, the sort of South American, Southern American uh, countries are not generating positive headlines at the moment because uh, of you know, elections and all sorts of things. So people are maybe a little bit nervous about investing down there. How are you getting on with the folks? Sure. So uh, elections are coming uh, up in November. Um, uh, so th there could very well be tensions that, that, that develop between now and then. I, I don't think that would be a surprise. Uh, I would say uh, our communication is, is generally at the level of the, the, the mines ministry. I think there's, there's, there's expectations, as with any bureaucracy, that there's going to be a, a changeover of of bureaucrats, right? So the, the, the mines minister may, may change after the, the elections and, and his assistance and, and, and so on and so forth. That, that's not an unusual event. Now in our communications with them, uh, they're basically saying, uh, vamanos guys, <laughs> you might want to get things in, in front of us before, before that happens. Uh, so, uh, so for instance, we, we acquired a concession called Puerto Rios from another public company at the end of 2019, we got the La Segoviana concession, which we just finished the prospecting on uh, in February of last year. Um, and then the, the Puerto Rios concession, uh, unfortunately the drilling permits didn't transfer over with it. Uh, so we had like a full site visit with, uh, with, with Morena 
few weeks ago and are trying to, to expedite getting drilling permits in there uh, prior to the elections in, in case there is a, uh, a change in, uh, in individuals uh, there. I, I doubt that there's going to be a change in, in, in the ruling party, but, but certainly there's a, a high probability of change in, in individuals, whether at the, the senior or even mid or, or junior level. Uh, side of the, uh, but, but in terms of the rhetoric, and again, we, we look at Peru, we look at Chile. You know, we've got this very uh, socialist uh, agenda, obviously, that history, you know, decades of it. But you've got politicians arguing the point, making point. Oh, we're going to tax mining companies. We're going to tax foreign foreign investors. We're going to, you know, what I mean. And that's just kind of just made people a little bit wary. And we've seen this in, in Chile. But you know, the, the, the reality. We've spoken to politicians in country or president of mining associations or ambassadors and so forth, which we, which we have bothered to do, is that it's just, it's just campaign rhetoric, it seems. But are you even, are you, are you suffering from that? Is, is, is that part of the discussion on the, on the campaign trials out there? Or is it just really a case of maybe a change of personnel? Specific to this election, uh, this has not been about uh, changing the, the, the tax code. <laughs> I think that or constitution or anything like that. Or, right. or, 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 or constitution. Yeah. That being said, that being said, uh, 2020, 2021 were an extremely uh, stressful uh, environment to the, the government coffers of most uh, most emerging markets, not even just Latin American ones, but but most emerging uh, markets. Um, the tourism industry, which was a big industry in Nicaragua, was especially hard hit uh, as well. Um, so people are, are looking for uh, new sources of, of revenue that, uh, that should not be a surprise. I, I would say our interactions with the government to date has really been more of encouraging getting more production uh, up so they can tax that production as well uh, under the, uh, a similar tax uh, regime. But if, if things uh, things change, that, that it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody in any jurisdiction. Like it's not. Uh, this is we happen to be in an environment right now where, where governments need additional capital, especially when they do not have uh, reserve currency status. So they actually have to fund their their budgets. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast? or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.